Five tips for developing a better relationship with food. Hey, what's happening? This is Isai Rodriguez, host of the Daspination Podcast, where I cater to the professional working man, 40 and above, who's looking to make positive changes to his health, lose weight, and become stronger overall through simple lifestyle changes. I'm here to share inspiration, tips, and proven lessons that I've personally learned and lived through in my 40 plus years on this beautiful blue planet. So today we'll start the discussion off by talking about the three planes of motion in workouts that help prevent injury in our first segment. Then we'll move on to our second segment and talk about the five tips for developing a better relationship with food. And listen, your health and fitness goals are easier to achieve than you think. First and foremost, it's about getting your mind straight right from the get-go. And so I've got a freebie for you called the 10 Daspination Mind Hacks. That'll help you whip your mind into shape so that you can turn around and whip your body into shape. Does that sound good to you? Then get on over to podcast.daspination.com slash mindhacks to get your freebie today and start using these 10 hacks to exercise consistently and create the real and lasting results you're truly after and that you absolutely deserve. That's podcast.daspination.com slash mindhacks. Again, that's podcast.daspination.com slash mindhacks. Be in the know starting right now. Also, don't forget to rate me on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're listening to this episode right now and leave me a nice, fat, juicy, five-star review and some absolutely beautiful words of why you love the show so much. It really helps me get the word out and it's honestly the one place where your vote truly matters. And now let's move into our first segment with healthy conversations. Oh yeah, oh yeah. How is everybody today? I hope you're doing great. I hope you're doing excellent. I hope you find yourself in great health. And um, yeah, I hope you're, uh, what's going on uh, or what's been going on? I don't know if anybody's heard President Biden's uh, State of the Union address uh, for all of my followers in the U.S. Um, I don't know about you. I don't. Uh, first of all, I don't like getting into politics. Uh, for That's not me. That's not what I'm about. But nonetheless, <laughs> this was, um, how would we say it? I heard a lot of good things in, in last night's speech, and um, I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, but uh, yeah, that's all we're going to talk about as far as politics. I don't, again, it's not me. I don't like getting into that because, you know, well, they just, it's too, uh, it's too sensitive of a topic for any type of discussion if you're not <laughs> going in there guns blazing with all these uh, facts and whatnot. But anyway, in this week's installment of Healthy Conversations, we're talking about the three planes of motion in workouts that help prevent injury. So whether you realize it or not, uh, you know, we're technically doing little mini workouts all day long. So like just because you're not lacing up your sneaks to go, you know, to go on a run doesn't mean you're not using your muscles in some form or fashion every minute of every day. Think about it. Let's realistically think about this for a second. You're, you're using your leg muscles to walk from room to room, right? You're at home, you have to get from one room to the other. You're using your leg muscles for that. Your core muscles to grab the remote on the other side of the couch, you know? And your back muscles if you're sitting up in a chair, right? 
So ideally, no matter what you like to do for exercise, your workouts should work for you. They should. <laughs> you know, they should help to make all of the movements you do just a little bit easier. Uh, you know, the best way to do this is to make sure you're working out the same way that you actually move in your day-to-day -day life. So we basically move in all dimensions throughout our day, three to be exact. In fact, um, all of your body movements can be categorized into these three basic planes of motion. And they're pretty simple to, to, um, to remember. Once you wrap your head around it, we have you know the sagittal motion, we have the frontal motion, and the transverse motion. And don't worry <laughs> because you won't be tested on this at the end, so you're good. But understanding how your body moves is really one of the best ways to prevent injuries, you know? So by making sure you move in all three planes during your workouts, what ends up happening is that you reinforce the movement patterns you, uh, you do throughout the day. So essentially, you're making sure your body is always prepared for anything you throw at it. And, you know, if you've ever tried to climb up five flights of stairs to visit a friend who lives on the fifth floor of an apartment building, like if, you, if you've ever had to do that, then you'll know how important it is to make sure, hey, you know, your body's up to the challenge that, that comes, you know, any type of challenge that comes your way. I'll tell you something though. <laughs> Ever since I moved from New York, I've uh, I've encountered less and less scenarios where I had to walk up a flight of stairs. But, you know, being prepared is always a good thing. So, you know, these three planes of motion are important to build into your workout so you can strengthen all of those minor muscles that we use to do what we do every day. And, uh, you know, luckily, though, you already live most of your life in that in that first plane, that sagittal plane. This is the plane <laughs> that splits your body uh, into left and right halves. So, for example, um, walking, running, doing lunges. These are all examples of moving along the sagittal plane. You most likely won't have to work too hard to add sagittal plane movements into your workouts. Again, those movements are most likely already in the mix. <laughs> That's kind of a freebie for you now. That being said, let's move on to the second plane, the frontal plane, or the plane that splits uh, your body into front and back halves. This plane uh, involves side-to-side -side motion. So think side shuffles, side lunges, uh, or a, a triangle pose in yoga. Like this is what we're talking about here, uh, working the front and, and back halves of your body. Uh, so the last plane, the transverse plane, uh, this is the plane that splits your body into top and bottom halves. Uh, and this plane is super important for mobility. So you definitely want to make sure you throw in some movements into your workouts that'll hit this transverse plane. So this basically means that you'll need to add more twisting movements to your future workouts. So exercises like um, the upright bicycle or the bicycle hold or, um, you know, the side to side oblique crunches, they're great for hitting the transverse plane. These twisting movements, uh, you know, they basically help improve spinal mobility. As I mentioned earlier, core strength, they help you with core strength and even, uh, joint health, uh, long story short, <laughs> by making sure your workouts include a healthy amount of rotation, 
you'll be setting yourself up for success in everything that you do. Uh, I found this interesting because a lot of times uh, we're so caught up in losing weight or bulking up and getting stronger. And don't get me wrong, <laughs> these are all great reasons to get into the gym and put in the work. But sometimes, you know, just sometimes, we, we lose focus of the primary things. We get caught up in all the glitz and glamour of wanting to be in shape, you know, quote unquote, wanting to be in shape, that we totally lose sight of the core principles. And, and knowing about these three planes and keeping them in mind when putting together your workout, well, <laughs> this can only work to, to your benefit. You're staying focused, you know, staying on track and keeping your eye on the prize, keeping your eye on the goal. The road is long and winding, you know what I mean? There are hills, there are valleys, but your goal should always keep you motivated and making forward progress and working these three planes, the sagittal, the frontal, the transverse, this will help support your daily life. And when you think about it, when are you most prone to injury? Think about it. At the gym when you're reaching for your max lift or at home when you're bending over to pick up your son and toss him over your head? You know, which scenario do you think you're more prone to injury? <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Do you think you're more prone to injury at the gym or at home? Let me know. Drop it in the comments. Let the fireworks begin. Let's start a discussion. <laughs> you know, like what are your experiences? Let's share some wisdom here with each other. And uh, yeah, let's all lift each other up. Because listen, the more you know, the better you'll be. <laughs> and now, with all that said and done, let's switch gears and move on to our second segment with Mighty Man. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That was a nice uplifting piece there that I put together. Thank you, thank you uh, for, for those that I reached out to. You know who you are. I appreciate your input helping me make this such a successful segment. But um, yeah, this, this whole uh, twisting and turning these three planes is very important for so many reasons, but mostly because uh, it's going to keep you <laughs> injury free in, in your daily life. You know, it helps with your balance. It helps with those like all the planes that we were talking about. But in this week's installment of Mighty Man, we're talking about five tips for developing a better relationship with food. <laughs> This is a good one. This is a good, a good relationship with food has to do with, uh, you know, having unconditional permission to eat the foods that make you feel good physically and mentally. Uh, I'll let that soak in there for a second because I'm pretty sure you didn't see that one coming. This is by the book, basically. You know what I mean? You have to keep in mind, no foods are off limit or they shouldn't be. When you have that good relationship with food, you feel no guilt when eating foods that are typically labeled as, you know, quote unquote, good or bad, you know, but this isn't something you'll get to overnight. This is not something you'll achieve <laughs> from one episode of this podcast or listen, like this is something that you have to actively work towards. It's something that you'll, you'll have to work on your entire life. Basically, it's not it's no different than working on a relationship with your partner or a friend or any other meaningful person in your life. No difference whatsoever. There's a commitment involved. And before you can work towards a good relationship with food, it's important to pinpoint the signs and the symptoms of a bad relationship with food. You have to know those indicators, those red flags, if you will, you know, so that you know 
that you're headed in the a wrong direction or the right direction. So when you see these signs, you know like, hey, this is this is not good. <laughs> you need to know the signs. That's pretty much it. So when you have a good relationship with food, this has absolutely nothing to do with the quality of your diet or the types of food that you eat. It has to do with how and why you choose the foods that you eat. So a bad relationship with food usually has to do with restricting or overeating foods, uh, things like that, or regular dieting and feeling shame or guilt <laughs> when eating certain foods. And that last point I enunciated because that feeling of shame or guilt, this is a great sign that your relationship with food could use some improvement if, if you're feeling that, if you're feeling that shame that or guilt, that's a that's red flag number one, really, that you need to improve your relationship with food. Now, that being said, uh, sometimes you might eat with complete freedom and have no remorse for the foods you eat. This is great. But other times you might feel guilty after eating a certain food or certain foods. This is not great, but it's normal. You know what I mean? The goal of a good relationship with food is to have more positive experiences than, uh, you know, with food than negative ones. So if you have, you know, quote unquote, an off day, like, don't worry. <laughs> it's not the end of the world. Because remember, a good relationship with food is like any other relationship. It takes time. It takes practice. <laughs> and it takes a whole hell of a lot of patience. It's also important to understand that your relationship with food goes way deeper than simply fueling your body. We're not like other animals in the wild that only eat for survival, like, you know, like lions and tigers and shit like that. You know, like we humans, we eat for a whole bunch of reasons, like a variety relates to, there's, like, for instance, we eat out of joy, like at a party. We eat for pleasure. We eat out of tradition or because it's in our culture you know i come from a culture that we get together and there's food everywhere there's just trays and trays and trays of food and people are eating two and three and four you know however many plates like full stacked and we're in desserts and drinks and like that's my culture you know we just to socialize and of course we eat to fuel our bodies that's you know obvious but you know, we have to put it, that's just one of the reasons why we eat. When you start to appreciate food as more than just a fuel source, as more than just uh, gasoline for your body, for a lack of better terms, you start to see the value in it. You start developing a healthier relationship with it. And so a good relationship with food involves welcoming all foods in moderation, eating foods that you enjoy, not allowing food to control your life and knowing that the foods you eat, that they don't define your value as a person. <laughs> and this isn't exactly simple, if you will, you know? Many people struggle with this idea of ditching the diet mentality and pushing away years of the quote unquote, the diet culture, those messages of diet culture they that they've been seeing in the media since a young age, myself included. You know, I'm no different than you. I've been brainwashed. Uh, I've also been brainwashed by all of the marketing messages, and it's hard to break out of the mental programming <laughs> that's been done over the years. But one one thing is for sure, and it's this: it's it's one thing to hope 
for change, but it's a whole nother thing to actively try to, to make change happen. So first off, remember that you're uh, your own person. You have your own history with food, your own food preferences, and every right to navigate this journey in a way that suits you best. Now that being said, <laughs> I've got some tips for you that'll help you start down the road to having a loving and nurturing relationship with food. So number one, Give yourself unconditional permission to eat. What? <laughs> Did I just say that? <laughs> you heard that right. Uh, one sign of a good healthy relationship with food is allowing yourself unconditional permission to eat. Because here's the thing. When you create rules around when you can and can't eat, you're setting yourself up for hunger for feelings of deprivation. You're depriving your body and for fear of food you're basically setting yourself up for failure for lack of better terms whether you overeat at lunch or have a few extra cookies for dessert you still deserve to eat when you're hungry or want to your body deserves food no matter the day or situation number two eat when you're hungry i've been saying this for the longest time way before this podcast here eat when you're hungry simple concept in thought, but not so simple to execute. But here's the reality is that every person is born with the natural ability to regulate their hunger. <laughs> you may not believe this, but you, you see this most clearly in young kids. You know what I mean? Like they can easily tell when they're hungry or full. They just, you know, if they're hungry, they start crying. They start they get agitated. They want to eat. <laughs> they know when they're hungry. And when they're full, they just stop eating, period. But as people age, we start to lose this ability for however many reasons, like uh, so many, you know, a number of reasons. But think about it. How often did your parents tell you to clean your plate? <laughs> this is a message that was drilled into our heads from childhood. Seven days a week, you better finish all that food on your plate. Am I right? Can I get a hell yeah down in the comments? And I know their intentions were good. You know, they didn't mean any harm by this. But what happened in your brain was this told you as, as a child to ignore the signs of being full. This trained you to eat until everything on your plate was gone. Zero, nothing, clean. <laughs> you know, not only that, but the diet culture that we're talking about, this culture has taught people to rely on an arbitrary number of calories to tell, you know, to tell them when uh, when they're done eating for the day instead of eating until they're satisfied. And don't get me wrong, there is a science to counting calories, but to be honest, it goes way deeper than simply adding up what you ate for the day. Like we're talking about precisely measuring what it is you're eating and knowing exactly what it is you're consuming or putting into your body and 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 keeping track of it specifically by the amount of uh, proteins and carbs and fat, um, aka the macronutrients. So there is a place for that. Don't get me wrong. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the marketing message of eat this amount of calories and lose weight fast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like We're talking more about the fad diets that come and go over the year. And uh, now that I think about it, like now with uh, social media and whatnot, <laughs> they're coming and going at like the speed of light, super fast before you're like, they're, they're here one minute and they're gone the next, you know, 
but the principles remain the same throughout, you know? But what we have to remember here is this. The closer that you get back to listening to your natural hunger cues, the better you can regulate your appetite and manage your food intake naturally. And this goes to, you know, this has to do not only um, when you're eating, uh, you know, uh, whether or not you're hungry or not, uh, listen to that. If you're hungry, eat something. If you're not hungry, don't eat something. Tip number three, practice mindful eating. Mindful eating has become the cornerstone of fixing a bad relationship with food. Let's just put it out there, you know? It has to do with eating in the moment and being fully present for the eating experience. <laughs> so think about this. When you eat mindfully, what that means is that you're eating free of other distractions, like your phone or a TV or the book, you know, etc. things like that. You're not paying attention to the television. You're not paying attention to your phone. Instead, you're, what you're doing is you're taking the time to savor your food. You're there, present. You're mindful, paying attention to that food. You can make observations of the food you're eating, like how it tastes and the texture of the food. Like, is this good? How does it feel? Is it crunchy? Is it smooth? Is it creamy? Is it whatever? <laughs> you'll also be free from distraction. And so you'll notice the changes your body goes through from hunger to fullness. So that whole triggering process of being hungry, you start eating and then you your body tells you, okay, I'm, I'm full. I don't need any more. You'll notice that uh, you know, if you're mindful and if you're present while you eat, you'll be able to catch these minor changes and notice how much you enjoy a certain food or not. <laughs> you know, not only that, but it can help you identify the reasons for your food choices. Seriously, like, are you eating because you're starving and, you know, you'll eat anything in sight? You know, is that you? Is that why you're eating? You know, do you want to eat the food because you think it'll make you feel better emotionally or physically? Think about that the next time you eat. Be mindful. Be aware. Ask yourself questions, but don't be, you know, a philosopher with this. <laughs> you know, like don't ponder the heavens and the, the earth and the wind. Like, no, no. Like ask yourself questions with the intent of answering those questions while you eat. You know, what flavor and texture are you noticing? Do you enjoy it, you know? Are you only eating it because it's available or because you really wanted it? You know, like things like that. Does does the food that you're eating, does that hit the spot? <laughs> does it satisfy the craving you're having? Do you notice the hunger going away? Uh, were you actually hungry? If not, why did you decide to eat? Was it emotional eating, cravings, boredom? What was it? Ask yourself and then answer it honestly because you ain't fooling anybody but yourself. So answer it honestly, <laughs> you know, uh, and listen, some of these questions might be difficult uh, and hard to address at first. So you might need to write your thoughts down in a journal. And uh, we've talked about this in the past. The key is to answer these questions without judgment and uh, instead with a, you know, keeping a curious and open mind. And over time, these observations can help you identify the reasons for your food choices and whether or not, you know, other healthy coping mechanisms may be a better option. You know what I mean? So think about that. You know, tip number four, welcome all foods in your diet. What do we mean by this? Well, uh, you know, a lot of times we label food as bad or quote unquote bad. And, and by doing this, by labeling a food as bad, it gives it this 
unnecessary power. Now, obviously, some foods are more nutritious than others, and you know they move you closer towards improved health. But still, eating a single food isn't going to miraculously affect your health in any way either. You know, when you label a food as quote unquote as bad, you know, you automatically put it on a pedestal. Think about this. Watch. So usually people call foods bad when they taste good (laughs) and they aren't very nutritious, right? Think about it. Cheesecake, good or bad, you know, pepperoni pizza, good or bad. (laughs) Starbucks unicorn frappuccino, good or bad. Okay, maybe that last one is uh, debatable, but you get the gist of what I'm saying, I'm sure. So foods that are labeled as bad are placed in the same compartment of your brain where the cheesecake and the pizza and the Coke and the fries are all kept. You know, so along with these foods, your brain safely stores this other food you just labeled as bad with all the other bad for you foods. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, uh... When this happens, what happens in your brain is that as soon as you tell yourself you can't have something, that's that's precisely when you start to crave it and want it even more. You know, a research study actually showed this exact behavior. So um, a group of self-proclaimed restrictive dieters and non-dieters, so they had like two groups, they were uh, given a milkshake, right? And then they were put into private rooms where they could have as many cookies as they wanted. So they, they first they were all in the group, right? Amongst each other. They shared a, 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 mil- a milkshake and then they were placed in private rooms with like, I guess what I imagine was like you walk in and there was like a table and uh, maybe a cu- several plates with different cookies and, and they were basically allowed to eat as many cookies as they wanted. And uh, interestingly enough, (laughs) the non-dieters were much better at regulating their intake and stopped when they felt satisfied, while the dieters ate significantly more cookies. (laughs) The scientists said that this phenomenon happened because of a process known as counter-regulation. So essentially, the dieters felt that since the milkshake already uh, broke, (laughs) the rules of their restrictive diet. They were like, uh, they might as well binge on some cookies. You know, this is what I would personally call the fuck it syndrome. (laughs) So my take is that after the dieters had this, you know, that delicious milkshake and then saw the cookies in a room where they knew they were alone, you know, they threw up their hands and said, ah, fuck it. <laughs> you know, no, but in all honesty, when you allow all foods in your diet, you're better able to control your intake. Why? Because you know these foods are always available. There's no need to overeat or to stuff your face, you know. But on the flip side of things, when you restrict foods, you're much more likely to overdo it and enter that endless cycle of guilt, you know. So just don't do it. Don't restrict yourself because here's the thing. When you allow all foods in your diet, you'll notice that your cravings for certain foods will start going down. This is called habituation. And it says that the greater the exposure you have to a food or flavor, the less interesting and appealing it becomes. So start looking at all foods as equal with no food being better or worse than the other. When you stop viewing foods as good or bad, 
you remove the food's power, you know, and over time, you won't feel the need to overeat uh, when it when it's around. You know what I mean? It, it, it's an interesting uh, psychological trick that you can play with your with your head. And, but it, I mean, the facts still remain and the numbers show that it's a thing. Your body, your brain can be programmed not to eat uh, or not to overeat. You know what I mean? So anyway... Tip number five, mind your plate. (laughs) Imagine a life in which you don't have to justify your food choices to yourself or anyone else. That's, let's, let's just sit back and let that soak in. Let it marinate. A life where you don't have to give anyone a reason as to why you choose to eat what you eat. Would that be nice? I I, I think that'd be nice. But, uh, you know, and, and here's the reality is that Most people are constantly giving themselves or other people an explanation for food choices. So, for example, have you ever heard anyone say uh, something like, uh, you know, I'm eating ice cream because I had a bad day or I have to have salad for dinner because, you know, I didn't have time to exercise. I'm sure you've heard people use these phrases, these excuses, but instead of giving a reason for your food choices... Just allow yourself to eat food that you feel is best for you at that very moment. If, whether you want to quantify it or not, that's up to you. But don't feel the need to offer up these explanations because you don't. You know, and here's the bottom line. Your relationship with food is personal. It's unique and it requires regular work to keep it healthy. And although it might seem impossible to fix your bad relationship with food, it is certainly possible to get to a state in which uh, food no longer controls you and instead it fuels your overall well-being. And, uh, you know, as you work your way through your relationship with food, just remember that food isn't necessarily good or bad. It's the labels that you put on it that give it power. You know, a healthy, good relationship with food means welcoming all foods with no restrictions. That's the key right there. Welcoming all foods, all foods with no restriction. That means salads, steaks, vegetables, fruit, water, and yes, ice cream cope, you know, occasionally. (laughs) A healthy relationship with food is about seeing the value in food beyond the calories. It's about remembering that your value as a human isn't dictated by the food that you eat. And it's hard for sure. Taking the first step uh, to fixing a bad relationship with food is scary and difficult, but so worth it in the long run. You deserve it, your family deserves it, and everyone around you deserves it too. And so, With all that said and done, that's it, you guys. That's my show for today. I hope you found some valuable information here. And if nothing else, I hope I've entertained you for a few minutes and was able to bring you a little manly sunshine to your day. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to listen to me. It's very much appreciated. On next week's episode, we'll be talking about the seven healthiest foods to eat for natural weight loss this spring. So fellas, you're looking to trim your waist just in time for beach season? Next week's episode is for you. And look, your health and fitness goals are easier to achieve than you might think. First and foremost, it's all about getting your mind straight. 
right from the get-go. So I've got a freebie for you called the 10 Dash Explanation Mind Hacks that'll help you whip your mind into shape so you can turn around and whip your body into shape. Does that sound good to you? Then head on over to podcast.dashplanation.com slash mindhacks to get your freebie today and start using these 10 hacks to exercise consistently and create the real and lasting results you're truly after and that you absolutely deserve. That's podcast.dashplanation.com slash mindhacks. Again, that's podcast com slash mindhacks. Be in the know starting right now. Also, don't forget to rate me on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're listening to this episode right now. And leave me a nice, fat, juicy five-star review and some absolutely beautiful words of why you love the show so much. It really helps you get the word out and it's honestly the one place where your vote truly matters. Till our next chat, take care now. Bye. Oh, <laughs>